Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and we are joined with a special guest today, Jamila. Go ahead and tell the people about yourself a little bit. Um, hello, hello. My name is Jamila. I am a mom of two amazing girls. I am an artist and creative with a background in film and photography, but nowhere near limiting myself to just those, you know, realms of the creative world. And I also am a newly engaged woman uh, with a beautiful fiance by the name awesome. of K. We'll leave it at K. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's what's up. Thank cool, you. man. So I want to go ahead, just jump right into it and, um, you know, talk about, you know, your journey uh, to becoming who you are. Um, I know that we've talked about, you know, some things, but I think it'd be cool for people to just understand your journey in terms of your sexuality and how you became uh, who you are today. So if you could give the people a little bit of background about uh, your journey. Um, my journey, I would say I probably had awarenesses before I understood, like awarenesses to the fact that my sexuality was what it is before I understood or had maybe language that I was comfortable using um, with regards to my sexuality. I think I probably got my first inkling about liking girls when I was a kid. Um, as, you, as you say, kids experiment, I kissed a girl before. It wasn't something that I, you know, I, it was something that I had done, but wasn't maybe something I could process. And wasn't something that I felt like I should process because it kind of seemed like, you know I me, mean, you're a kid, really, you're not supposed to be doing anything with anybody. It doesn't matter what the gender is. It's probably more taboo when it's a girl and you're a girl too, but it's just like, you're not supposed to be doing that anyway. And kids are kids and kids do weird things and they experiment. Nobody really pays you any attention. So you kind of just shove it away and you don't, I shoved it away. I didn't talk about it. Um, and then that was probably maybe early, like preteen, 13 years of age. And then I want to say, by the time I was 15 is when I maybe had my first experience with like what homophobia looked like within my own community, yeah. which was interesting because I grew up in a community that wasn't outwardly homophobic. Like I grew up in a church that was very gay friendly, that had um, openly, you know, queer identifying, you know, members who were leading ministry, leading praise and out in church. Like it wasn't, you know, something that was secret necessarily or taboo unless you know that was just your personal preference, but it wasn't a space for it to be your personal preference as far as our church's belief system was concerned. So it wasn't like my church wasn't maybe forward thinking in regards to that, but it didn't mean that homophobia was, you know, non-existent in my community. And so I think I was about in maybe the 15 year old bracket when I got my first taste of what that felt like, I had a friend who had been a close friend, a good friend. Everybody knew us, you know, for being friends who just started acting weird. And I didn't get why I was like, you know, and I had being 15 by that point, I had understood what my mom came to later explain or what we came to later know is, you know, mean girls or how, you know, that happens when girls start to turn a certain age and they can get mm -hmm. clickish and things of that nature. So I'm just thinking maybe it's that. Because as far as I was understanding, it's like I ain't popular. Something's going on. You know, on. I was just, and my thing is, my shoes honestly, not cool. Which y'all don't like my outfit, yo. But honestly, think about it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PK, and yeah. I'm the PK that I am. So I was already very different. I was already yeah. living a very different life between the type of traveling that I was doing with my parents and the experiences. So I'm used to being the weird, mm -hmm. low key kind of odd man out. Like mm -hmm. I'm popular, but at the same time, not. It's kind of like. I'm Regina George in a way it was like, you want to be my friend, but I don't even know if you even know if you like me. You just want to be close because you yeah. know me for this least yeah. kind of a deal. Yeah. So it's like that in a way. And so I was just thinking like, oh, maybe she's got- So you was leery, you were already leery of people because of, you know- uh, Because I was growing up- And then um, mm -hmm. not understanding, like, is it jealousy? Or like, are you mad at me? Like, what did not I Not understanding where understand it was coming yeah. from. And I was trying to get it. And I'm 15 and I, I had already had weird experiences where friends just, you know, do weird things. You got a new friend group and you go. Because a lot of that stage of those stages of life can be temporary. All of those people mm -hmm. aren't going to go with you to your future. So I was just thinking of it from that place. And then I got cool with the girls that that person was friends with so then I'm like okay I thought they didn't like me but that's not it so what happened because like we was tight and now it seems like it, it's intentionally weird and only with me 
Yeah. So I eventually was just like, what's up? I asked, you know, what's, what's happening? And she told me, and I still don't know to this day who was saying what, but apparently some things were being said around, about me around church, about um, me liking girls. And mind you, at that point, I told you, I had already had a moment and was like, ah, I don't think so. So I was like real hard, like, no, don't, that's not, don't even think about whatever that happened. Like just kind of shoved it away. I didn't even want to pretend like it didn't exist. And so when that happened, I felt even more um, outcast, more confused because it was like, but I'm not even, I'm not even doing anything. And then on top of that, in my brain, I was like, I haven't come to terms with labeling myself anyway. And then more so seeing people who you've seen be cool and comfortable with other people who are living their authentic truth, if that authentic truth as it relates to sexuality might be that they identify as queer or gay or whatever, but then watching them engage with you in a way that's like, but you don't vibe with me if I'm like that. Even though I didn't know that I was like that. And so it made me, I feel like really just shove that part of myself in a closet and bury it away. Like, really, 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 really far deep in the back because it wasn't something that, I didn't want to be any more different or weird than I probably already felt. Mm -hmm. Like I was already very, just growing up in a different environment, growing up in a different way, having experiences that my peers weren't necessarily having and then struggling to relate to them without them thinking that I think I'm better than them or anything like that. So then having people now also feel like, and now we got one more thing because we think that we know that you're this and I wasn't even, I didn't even know that I was that. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't. Because at that point, at that point, you'd as a kid already identified like I might like girls. Then you say, okay, but we're gonna just not deal with that. So you proceed with your life as you know, for lack of a better term, a straight woman, right? And then Mm -hmm. it comes up again. It's straight passing. I like that straight passing. That's (laughs) awesome. Um, So then it comes up again because of a conversation or rumors that are happening at the church but you weren't even identifying with that at that point you're like I'm moving forward I'm straight passing we're going and then somebody else identifies the fact that you like girls and you're like well I was was moving forward I'm not not on that and then it made you bury it further because you're like oh maybe it's it's still too high on the surface maybe I'm still like gazing too long I'm still like you know what I mean like what am I doing here that's like making people the straight passing is not passing I'm failing at this point so like what's happening and then it goes further which I think is interesting because that happens a lot of times right like people um have you know they try to remove that identity that part of the identity but then there's things about you because your sexuality is not seg it's not a compartment it's a part of who you are right and so it's like really hard to to mask you so I think it's interesting so then after you found that out and you buried it further like what what did you think like what were some of the things that you kind of started to process as it relates to your sexuality did it did it ever dawn on you or like did you ever have a thought like oh well maybe this is not something I can really hide even in your process of trying to bury it um I probably (laughs) So one of my first clues to that, well, there were, there were a couple. One of my first clues to that, honestly, is my niece. Mm. Um, my niece, I won't say her name, but she knows who she is. Um, for as long as I can remember, has been telling me since we were kids, baby, you're gay. <laughs> now, my niece, my niece and I are the same age. Let me, be, let me get yeah. some context. She's my niece. But my niece and I are the Shout exact out to your niece. same age. I remember her. Yes. <laughs> we are exactly six mm-hmm. months apart to the day. She's February. I'm August. And we're like sisters more than we are like aunt and niece. Mm-hmm. So we've always had a very tight, very close, close, very I can be real with you relationship. And I don't even remember what age we were when she said it. Because, but I think she was probably the first safe space where I ever started like just even jokingly trying to like peek out the closet like <laughs> hey excuse me I was just wondering what you think about like what you think like I would ask her questions like jokingly when we were young like I mean what would you do if I like girls and she mm-hmm. would like more often than not if not every single time laugh it off and be like baby I already know that you do I'm just waiting for you to figure it out like come on out that closet I mean, girl <laughs> I, already know. I feel like she was opening the door like uh, I know you're in there I don't right. know what they know mm-hmm. I know you're in there when yeah. you're ready 
right here waiting for you. Let's go to the bar. <laughs> let's go right to the gay bar. Let, let's find out. Let's see something. <laughs> yeah. So she had already yeah. like said that to me. Mm-hmm. And like it was, it, but it was something that wasn't, that was without judgment and also wasn't something that I took serious. Like we laughed. I knew to some degree though, she wasn't like fully joking, but also it wasn't something that either one of us pressed. I could tell she was really like, no, look, you going in your own time. Even down to like when I really finally did come out and tell her and she was just like, I, I, baby, I've been telling you something. Welcome, hello, I've been waiting on you, what's up? We going to go get some girls, like what's up? Like, so it was, a, I, cause I was nervous even when I finally like realized and it was about to like start telling people. But that was one of my first inklings. I probably got my second inkling into another person doing up doing something like that. Um, it was a close friend of mine from high school. About two years or so after um, my former friend was kind of like, I don't want to rock with you like that because it's going around that you're gay. And I don't really want to know one way or the other. I'm just not going to rock with you. So after that, I had a friend real close friend from high school and low-key she would get bullied because she was gay and I hated like it I've all but I've always just I don't like when people treat people like underdogs like I don't like when people that's just I think probably genetically encoded into me you know when you think about (laughs) whose child I am Mm -hmm. so that's just a part of my essence and so it would bother me when people would like treat her less than it's because my thing is to be you know openly out like she she you know, before her, I think she evolved even further into her identity. She was very clearly and openly out in a time frame where there were not that many of my classmates who were. Although I, now that I think about it, probably should have got a clue because I was friends with, I think, everybody in my class that was gay, whether that was a boy or a girl. So that probably should have <laughs> let me know something. Now that I reflect on it, like you were tight with all of them. Mm. Look in the mirror, girl. You didn't even know. <laughs> listen I didn't but one of them did this friend who I used to hang out with we would kick it she told me once like she had a thing she had a crush on me and it was funny because at the time I wasn't ready to like although if I had to look at it in hindsight I would probably say I had a crush on her back but I couldn't understand or process it for what for or for being that mm-hmm. and so I was just like you know I appreciate you you know I don't feel the same way though but that doesn't mean we can't still be cool we can't still be close and we it didn't change our relationship matter of fact she told me she was just like it's okay she was just like because I have a feeling you like girls too you just don't know what about yourself and you're not gonna realize it probably until you're in college and man was she right because that's literally what happened it was like I got to college and I was like um what's happening because I don't think I don't I don't um I don't have language for this, but I it's 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 giving it's giving everything I've ever seen in a movie. But like when a girl feels that way about a guy, but mm-hmm. it's me and it's other girls. Help! I have questions. <laughs> like, what do I do with this? Hi, my name it's, is Jamila, and, and I, I like girls. <laughs> so it's giving very much so. Like it's giving like oh I don't I'm like especially when you like talking to other people and you're like oh you don't you don't do that too. <laughs> I need to go back to the drawing board. You never that's never happened to you. Okay. You might wanna uh, you might wanna go ex- do some do some deep sea diving mm. and explore yourself, girl. Cause I was like, uh I I've never I I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have a way to process it for real at the at first. And it took some time because it was like I had people who I felt like were open and welcoming and accepting of gay people queer people but it's one thing to watch somebody from the very outside looking in accepting Mm -hmm. other people when it's not close it's another thing to put yourself in a vulnerable space to basically because a lot of people have decided to reclaim the terminology instead of calling it coming out we're no longer coming out we're letting you in we're letting you into our world we're opening opening it up for you to let you have that information because Otherwise, if for some of us, if we don't give you that information, you're just going to automatically assume that we're, you know, we're straight passing. And right. that's okay. But because we're proud, because we're comfortable, because we want to live authentically, and some of us want to live out loud, and maybe even out loud, more out loud than others, mm. we're letting people in more. And I, you know, struggled with what that looked like and felt like for me um, in my initial stages, because it was like, I could hear or would hear, you know, friend groups say things that were accepting 
of people who, you know, were queer or seemingly so, but nobody in my friend group was really like me. Like at that point in life, like I told mm-hmm. you, I have, it's not like I've never had queer friends or gay friends and things of that nature, but to say that I, they were really that heavily a part of my core and close-knit group when I started to come into that part of myself, they weren't really strongly there. So trying to figure out what that looked like when you constantly have been straight passing and fitting into conversations that are highly heteronormative and constantly about dudes and this and the third, and it's just like, Mm. ah, how do I throw this out there and in there? Especially when I started to finally like really explore myself and start to date. I would even see some of the difficulties and struggles there because as much as Sometimes people want to be supportive because the world is um, lives on lives lives under a blanket of heteronormativity. Heteronormativity. I feel like people don't really know how to engage all the time with people who are a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Right. Instead of just treating our relationship like it's the same relationship, it's the same kind of relationship, the same way. If you can tell me 78 details about what you and Tyrone did last night, like the least I should be able to do is talk about this date and how much I was really feeling that girl. But the fact that this might make you squeamish or make you freak out just because I'm talking about somebody whose gender is the same as both of ours, as opposed to the fact that you didn't tell me 78, 78 details about this man's nether regions that i did not ask for ma'am like you didn't gave you gave me a right, lot sis. Right. i know details about tyrone i hope i never meet him right. but i can't we can't do the same with your do the same partner, yeah. with our you know counterparts who don't identify this way because they don't always know how to just treat it like a normal conversation yeah. and because it feels so far or so foreign it's like oh i got squeamish or oh i got this and it's just like ma'am i you don't, we won't talk about the details you just gave it out of now. All right, okay. So, so pretty much after the experience, uh, when you were 15, you kind of buried it, you get to college, you're like, all right, I got to start forming the words for this because this is clearly something. Um, That's not going away. So for <laughs> you, um, what do you feel like was your hesitation? Because I think um, one of the things that we, we talk about a lot is, you know, the church, obviously, and you went to a presumably gay-friendly church, right? So a lot of times people don't come out because of that. Um, I think people would be surprised to know that your your parents, you didn't even have hesitation in terms of like the friction that people would expect from that relationship you didn't have. So then for you, what do you feel like was the thing that I call it like a glass box because every or glass closet, because it seems as if everyone around you knew, right? But then you were like, I don't really know though. Like, what do you think was your hesitation in terms of kind of really fully coming into it? Um, I think it was a couple of things. I think one, it, it took me a long time in life. Well, it took me a long time in life to get to a space where I felt comfortable living in my authenticity and whatever that meant and looked like for me. Um, and I say that to say, while I was growing up, in a very open and loving and welcoming environment. Growing up as a pastor's child and then growing up as a pastor's child, when you are um, the, the child of a pastor who has a very large scale church, yeah. um, you, you the same way you just described it as a glass box, it's often referred to in church circles as growing up in a fishbowl environment. You, you often will see it in other situations with more high profile celebrities, the way people look at and scrutinize everything about Blue Ivy from the day that she was born to what her mama did and didn't do with her hair to, you know what I mean? How she, how it's now grown and thriving and everybody should have been minding their business back mm-hmm. then. So, man, look at how much the, the kid, the new kids look like Jay. They mm-hmm. stole the loose hole. Like people are thirsty and thriving and waiting for those details. Like, like let, let's just put a pin in that. You're scrutinizing a child, mm-hmm. a child who's fresh into the world, a child who's learning the world, a child who's got to learn and process and grow into who they are and figure out what that means, independent of all of the things society is going to, to, tell, to tell it, that it will probably have to forget to get to who they truly are. Yeah. It's like not even, just, not even just them on the back end. I'll give you an example. I just told you a story about the fact that at 15 years of age, mm-hmm. there are congregation members, whatever age they were, having conversations about my 15 year old self trying to and grappling with trying to figure out and grappling with her sexuality 
rumors that made it to another 15 year old mm. who then brought it to me and treated me a certain way about mm -hmm. it. People were treating me away prior to that. And I had to be aware of it and con conscious of it because in some cases you don't know who's getting close to you because maybe they want more. They didn't, you know, like, like they want to just be close and they want to be on the inner circle, but they don't really want to be your friend. Or, you know, maybe your people are just want to find out, like I said, that people just want to find out information or there's additional eyes. But I remember just kind of always being conscious of and aware of eyes and doing things in a way that I thought were maybe the right way to do them, whether that was getting good grades in school or making sure I picked a career that would satisfy my parents, even if it wasn't maybe something that I really had any interest or any passion in at the time. Like, that's what I mean when I say it was... Um, me finally stepping into what it looked like to live authentically for myself yeah. and then I think constantly peeling back those layers so that I could really get to the root of these things because I mean even down to like I said I went to college and I picked a major more so because I felt like it was the major that my parents would comfortably accept especially since they were contributing to my financial like my education financially mm -hmm. versus me picking something that I actually felt like I would be, be happy to get up and go to class and, and learn about Mm -hmm. And it took me getting to my senior year being very, very, very depressed and then having a friend get murdered. Like I had a car accident that totaled my car and a friend was murdered all within a week of each other. And he got murdered down the street from where my car was totaled. Mm -hmm. Like all of those things happened at one time. And that started, I think, opening my eyes just to a, as a constant reminder of how short life is. Like I was reminded first, like you could have lost your life. They told me that my car totaling the way that it did with both airbags deploying basically took a small explosion almost for that much impact to happen. Then I was like, and now you just lost a friend. So having things that were kind of like a catalyst to push me forward into just being reminded, like you have to live life for you because at the end of the day, you being miserable does not make it, even if everyone else happy, is happy, you have to live your life and you're the only one living. So those things were like slow peeling. I was slowly peeling away and coming into being more authentically myself. And in doing that, I realized it's on every possible level in every facet, whether that means I grow my hair out in locks and I cut it out, cut it off one day and I grow out a new set of hair, whether that means I'm choosing to love who I want to love and the person that I want to love or the people that I want to love more than anything are women, whether that means that I am choosing to pursue creative um, pursuits and in industries that are unconventional and that nobody really around me has ever experienced anyone doing before, but I know that I'm good at it and I'm finding ways and figuring out how to do it. Like, I think it was just a constant peeling away of the layers of really being reminded that you have to live this life for you. Yeah. And a lot of times the ways that we are raised, the ways that we are trained are not, a, are not centered on self. And, and notice that I say centered on self as opposed to self-centered because those mm -hmm. are two different things. Yep. Centering yourself and finding a way, like we don't often put forth practices in our society that teach people like the importance of how to take care of themselves and the necessity of doing so no matter what role in life you ever take on, no matter what job you ever have, no matter what you're ever doing. You're a wife and a mom, that's wonderful. You still need to be taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You're a single woman by yourself, that's great. You got a career that you love, that's cool. Do you make sure that you're taking intentional time though to spend with mm -hmm. and for yourself and your comfort and your solitude? So you have mm -hmm. comfort in your solitude? Mm -hmm. Like finding That's a new conversation that's happening because I think people are learning that uh, it the narrative you know for so long like of woman being the the caretaker of the family like the creator of a home um but never but like the the part of taking care of yourself and making sure you're strong enough to actually take care of your family is kind of disappearing like it it, it was it was something that now has recently kind of rose and women are taking more ownership of like that understanding like I have to take this hour for myself I have to you know take this 30 minute walk for myself so that I can recharge myself for my family like to continue to put the battery in my own back but I think what um people so often miss is that the the mental health aspect of this so all the things mm -hmm. you're talking about right with being fulfilled in your own career going to college for what you want to do right uh living out your sexuality for yourself right like you know owning what that means for you um is a part of taking care of yourself as well but the mental health aspect is not something that for sure is not talked about a lot and is definitely not oh, talked yeah. about in our community as uh as black people um so i want to talk about um i know that initially there were points in your journey um when you started to come out 
or let people in um, where you identified as bisexual and now identifying as demisexual. And I think that's interesting. And I want, if you can describe demisexuality and help unpack what that means, because um, it's, 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 it's interesting, um, you know, to, to be, um, to understand that for you, it takes an emotional connection to be sexually attracted to someone and why that's different than bisexuality, because demisexual from my understanding, and I want you to elaborate, it doesn't necessarily have a gender assigned to who you like. It's about the connection, but then how's that different from bisexuality? So bisexuality, um, typically in the blanket term of understanding is an explanation of a person who is attracted to both genders, whether that is um, a man attracted to men and women or a woman attracted to men and women. And some people start to get into the stipulations of what that looks like, because for example, within that, then those people might say, if you're bisexual, you are also attracted to cisgendered men and women, like men and women born as men and women who identify as men and women, and then only within those realms and those brackets. Um, sometimes you might be bisexual and you know be open to the scope of the different kinds of terminology that, that, that exists for different kinds of you know lesbians and other queer people. Um, but typically it's a blanket term that will defines people who are attracted to both genders. Um, whether you wanna get into the specifications. I never specified in terms of like, you have to identify as like cisgendered because I felt like I knew women who were comfortable and powerful and confident in their womanhood, but who also had masculine traits. And thus I felt like embraced a level of duality. So I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I really would call them fully, fully cisgendered as much as they may be more queer identifying. It's, it gets tricky, but mm -hmm. the point that the blanket, the, the, the basic way to understand it is somebody who is attracted to both genders, men and women. And when you were, when I was in that space, I thought that was my truth. I mean, living and growing up in a heteronormative world and experiencing things in a very, living a heteronormative life, um, I had engaged with, you know, men in my past and I had experienced engaging with guys and felt like, no, this is something, I had felt like intense connections in a way where I was like, I don't know if maybe it ever fully approached the point, where, no, I can say it never fully approached the point with any man where I considered maybe spending a lifetime together, but I wouldn't deny saying like, I have loved a man in the past. Um, and that was, that was a part of what let me know, like, okay, understanding love for what I understood it to be at that time and knowing that I love that person, but also knowing that I'm capable of feeling this way and knowing that I'm capable of loving a woman. That was how I started identifying myself as bisexual. I got to the point of demisexuality and really understanding that with myself when I was, um, I was in a bad relationship. Um, I was in a really bad relationship. And it was with a woman. And cra crazy thing is, as bad as it was, I had no sights set outside of the relationship. Like not even to look at other women. Just I, I was where I was. I, I, that's just who I am looking at as a person also. But I was where I was. I picked where I was. And even though it was bad, and I felt like all signs were pointing to to go you need to get you need to run like anime at the, at the end of what's love got to do with it sis like you got to go um, <laughs> even though there were all the red flags pointing to that I was like dead set and stuck and it was like yeah this is what I want this is what I want to do even though it was like you should leave you should go and what happened was I ended up reconnecting with uh, a friend from the past who was a man and when I reconnected with that person, it started off honestly and as as nothing. Like I was ending this situation. Started off as good friends. No, no, but but what's funny is it's something like that. I mean, like it wasn't like that had there was no understanding or awareness that we had ever had chemistry, the guy and I, but it was more so a very clear, like when for me at least, when we started communicating, I wouldn't know nothing. I didn't, I, I ain't looking for nothing. Like I'm miserable, but I didn't pick my misery and I'm in it and I'm, I'm gonna be happy with it, okay? Like that was where I was. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about anything else. And 
when like when we became friends it was like okay da 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 let's I say that as a, just a general blanket yeah. it was when we were just talking it wasn't anything and what I started to recognize was as I because I had you know how they say um emotionally or mentally you know you might as a, a woman might leave you long before she physically walks out the door and so what I was starting to recognize was happening for me is my 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 relationship was over it, was, it had dissipated and I was like, this is done. You, you're not even, you ain't even faithful over here anyway. So I don't even know why I'm still holding on. I digress. So at this point, point <laughs> you're, you're, you're still pretty much in a relationship with a girl, but you start connecting again with a male friend. We had just, yeah, we had, uh, we mm-hmm. weren't even doing anything. And then I hate to say it, but uh, one of the nails were final nails on the coffin of the crazy coffin. Cause there was a lot of crazy stuff from that relationship, but that's another book for another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you ever have a topic about crazy relationships I can be on that channel got it <laughs> but <laughs> I was gonna say it was like I, I think I finally our relationship ended I found out she was cheating which I had kind of known but like I had confirmed like oh you both all right bet. so <laughs> things were ending and it was like I I was like I'm done this is over and I remember there still being like an interest on his side and I was just like I'm gonna be all the way honest I'm not I'm not trying to do something like serious because I just came out of something serious and I'm if if there were to ever be a shot I know I would need to make sure I was on up and up mentally and emotionally wise before we did anything because I wouldn't want to take this to a serious level as far as a relationship and then you know what I mean? It's it can't it, it wasn't built to sustain because I came like it was really more of a trauma bond than anything else. Mm-hmm. But what I did recognize was I felt comfort and I did feel safety in that engagement, which made was which was something that made me open to engaging and connecting with him. And I realized that that safety that was provided within that situation that wasn't being provided where I was currently seeking and craving you from a woman. Even though I had no desires outside of my relationship, no desires for other men, no desires for other women, I was finding that I was feeling those things maybe just before I ended up breaking up. And then after I was broken up, I was realizing like in in that moment in case, I was feeling things emotionally because of the connection that I had. Like this was a person that was, had been my friend. Like we had talked through like rough moments. Like I was, I might have, might be having a bad day. I maybe didn't even tell you I was having a bad day, but you just kind of called with some good energy and some good vibes and to cheer me up kind of a thing. So seeing how that was unfolding, it started to make me open my eyes and realize like, you're not attracted to any other men right now. And honestly, if y'all hadn't, like if there was no emotional connection, I can't say that like, I would really want to engage with him beyond you know what I mean? Like beyond mm-hmm. calm, just regular chit chat kind mm-hmm. of a conversation. But because I was feeling the emotional connection, I was recognizing that my sexual attraction and desire are tied heavily to my emotional connection. And I realized because part part of how I realized even before I had gotten to that part was when my bad relationship was ending. As my bad relationship was ending, you know how I talked about a woman will leave you mentally and emotionally before she leaves you physically I was recognizing that because of the nature of how bad things were and how bad things had gotten my emotional connection to her was dissipating rapidly and because that emotional connection was dissipating rapidly even though I still visually found her like I can acknowledge and own you're a pretty person but physically right now, I feel nothing. I'm not attracted. I, if you were walking down the street in the baddest outfit, I wouldn't give it a second look. Like it was, that was when I started to re- realize like a lot of how I was, and I, and, and I also hate to admit it, but I will say like it came up in its own ways in the relationship yeah. because before she was realizing just how over and done I was and also before I found out everything I found out that made me end up being like, all right, this is over for real. She would try. She would try to initiate things. You know what I mean? Like she would try to initiate sexual activity with me. Yeah. And I wasn't She was trying to I smash and you was like, nah. No, tonight, for real. Nah, it was brother. like, it was like <laughs> after after I realized like our emotional connection has like you have been destroying it for months. Mm-hmm. 
you have been destroying it for months. After that, I realized I was like, I don't feel the same way I that I feel um, or that I felt starting this out. And I was looking at her, able to look at it and acknowledge like, man, I can still own it and think like you're an attractive person, but emotionally, because we're so off, I feel nothing for you physically. Like, I can't even fake the funk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Just get myself there for the purpose of getting it. And so that was when I started to realize like a lot of my sexual energy is tied into how a person makes me feel emotionally, because if I don't feel safe, then I don't feel like I'm going to get to that space to even Mm -hmm. be able to be physically attracted to you in that way. Mm -hmm. And you felt that from, hmm? you felt that from your male friend that you started to make it. Well, not even just that, like I'm saying, it made me, I evaluated my relationship with her and I saw how once she had severed our emotional connection, my sexual desire dissipated. And I realized that I had no sexual desire whatsoever on this other side, but he built the emotional connection enough and it it was on point enough that I was like, damn it, I might have some, I might have, excuse the language, but I might have some sexual Mm -hmm. energy here now. What's what's happening? Mm -hmm. And that was how I started to recognize and realize like, I can't say that it's only about gender for me as much as it's about the emotional connection mm-hmm. that I feel and that I'm able to establish if I had to I would probably de- define myself as a demisexual with a preference for women mm-hmm. but I know at, at, my, at my core that for me if we're not bonding emotionally if I don't feel like we're connecting on that intimate level for the deeper things not just like the sexually intimate things mm-hmm. I'm not gonna feel nothing it's yeah. gonna just be like well this is nice or you're you know you're nice to look at but I don't feel like I want to go you know, anywhere. Got it. That makes sense. So the, the emotional connection is almost as important in demisexuality as the gender is in Mm. other parts of the queer world. So like where people might put more weight on the gender in other situations, the emotional connection is where most of the weight is. Most of the weight is. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly the case because I was going to say, the reality is if I, when I identified as bisexual, I could walk down the street in either direction and look and I'd be like, mm-hmm, I was smashed, I was smashed, I was passed, smashed, mm-hmm. smashed. Smash. And this is gender free, like just yeah. free reign, doesn't matter, everyone. But where I am now, and this is funny because it's a game that I played with myself when I was in the midst of discovering it. I really had to look around and be, that's how I said a demisexuality with a preference for women. Because I looked around and I was like, I can find a man attractive. I can definitely say that off the top. However, if that's where it stops, like at a surface level, and if we never have any further or deeper level of engagement or conversation or communication to potentially establish an emotional connection, I can't really say that I'm going to be into it beyond like, you the homie, let's dap it mm-hmm. up. Let's have some conversations. Why? Because I've always been that girl. I mm-hmm. had male friends for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. But then it's like when I was, I was taking the same inventory of women and I was realizing, I was just like, mm-hmm. I might go to there with you. Mm-hmm. Like, what you? like, and I was taking those inventories. However, even though I could hear very clearly the, the might and my openness, I could feel within myself like, yeah, but I need to make sure you don't annoy me first and that we can mm-hmm. click like that before I can go because it's not, it's going to be a waste of both of our time. Yeah. Like I had to go through those processes. and But yes, I would definitely say that in demisexuality, the emotional connection is where it's, it's everything. Yeah. Like being able to have that, to feel that, and to hold that for me is what makes everything else thrive. If you have me, if I feel like I'm safe, especially after some of the things that I've been through in my life, I've been through some things in my life. (laughs) (laughs) If if I feel safe in your energy, not only just as it exists, but safe enough to be vulnerable, safe enough to be my authentic self, especially coming from a place and environment in my life where I couldn't always be that, whether it was because the environment is not safe to, even though your parents would honor and love and Mm -hmm. respect and cherish, you might not want to do that out here because the world is cold, baby, and these people don't really love you. Mm -hmm. Or like, I can do that in these spaces where it's like, I, that, that connection was established and it was solid. Yeah. It was, it was genuine. And that honestly will build everything for me from there. So, yeah. yeah. Got you. So now you're, um, newly engaged. Yes, Congratulations. It's amazing. 
to a woman. Yes, 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 I am. Um, and we we kind of skipped over, but you have two, you have two, uh, lovely, lovely, lovely twins, um, you, or you have a set of twins, I should say, yes. yes. um, <laughs> from a previous, uh, situation. And so now newly engaged for you, what does it look like when you're, you know, dating with your children and then now being engaged, what were some of the conversations in the path that you had to get to, to feel safe enough to get, to have another person in you know close to your children yeah so uh when I decided I was going to open myself up to see if the dating world had anything to offer me I told myself knowing that I was going in as a new type of a package deal I was like we don't have room for so before I even met my partner I some people can you can call it prayer you can call it manifestation whatever you want to call it that's what I did that Sierra and prayer. <laughs> no, except see, Sierra's prayers was for Sierra and my prayer was for me. And I was going to, I was going to say, see, the problem that I, I want to tell people, but I'm trying to mind my business is y'all need to stop praying Sierra's prayer and start praying. Your name ain't Sierra, sis. Your name is insert here. And whatever right. that name is, you should be praying it for you because maybe you don't need what Sierra needed. Maybe you need something else. I digress. My point is, um no because seriously I, yeah. I, I I came out of my situation and I was like okay you have some evaluating to do and so one of the things that I decided I was going to do I just started looking back at myself looking back at myself in past relationships looking back at myself in moments and spaces where I did feel safe and take an inventory of what made you feel safe why did you pick this okay great now how can we improve upon that what do we need better next time like if we're going to be looking for the future because what I when I say I, I prayed my prayer I, I know that this line was not in Sierra's prayer. In my prayer, I say, all right, now, now look, now you know your child, okay? I'm hard-headed, okay? And I'm over it. So if you want me to be with anybody, it needs to be clear. I mean, I'm going to need you to smack me in the face a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need there to be question marks. I don't need to be wondering, is this? The no, 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 no. I need you to come and just straight muff me mm -hmm. and let me know this is what it is. So... One of those things in doing that, that was very clear and very intentional and very mindful in my prayer is that this person has to be somebody who can fully, who can fully accept my situation and past and history for what it is without judgment and who fits and blends and meshes well with our unit as a family. Because if you do not mesh well, if you just mesh with me, but you don't mesh with the kids, I'm not, I don't want, didn't want one of those relationships because I feel like I have seen a number of times whether you want to talk about personal people that I know or life experiences that I've seen or shows where there's a significant other that gets introduced into a family picture and then that somehow takes precedence over the children that were pre-existing and that are still growing, developing and also have, you know, minds that are aware and can speak to what they're really feeling. Because people don't always like to consider how their kids think and feel about stuff. Um, so I remember thinking, I'm like, whatever this situation is, if it's going to be another one, they have to be fully understanding and fully accept what this is for what it is so that our family model can grow and thrive in that way. And I think I also had, you know, a clarity about how I needed it to, how I needed them to present, because I think what I realized or what you learn in general in life you know, you can listen to what a person says until they're blue in the face and pay attention to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people will sell you all types of cute dreams and say they want to do this or they say they want to be that or whatever. But when you when it comes time to actually show up, where are you or what are you what does it look like? And so that's what I did in my approach with her. Um, there was no secret like she knew from the jump, you know, I'm a mom, you know, mom. And I also pretty much, I want to say kind of early got out, got it out there, like just, you know, what, like how they got here from the previous situation and what that was so that there was, was no confusion or no questions on her behalf later. Cause I also wanted to make sure she felt safe and comfortable because the reality is if you're asking someone to come into a situation where you already have children, especially a person who has no children, you're in essence about to make them a parent. You about to change their life in a whole different way. So you need to make sure, are you ready to take that responsibility on? So those were some of the things that I did kind of like trying to just prepare myself. I asked on a number of occasions, like, are you sure you're good with this? Or is this unnecessary? So on and so forth. But 
even more so, and this is honestly one of the reasons why she is my partner and is going to be my wife. I didn't, beyond what we do and, and say to make sure that we're on the same page communication-wise and to make sure that we understand those things with regards to the children and how we flow, flow or function, she established that for herself. Like in terms of the, how it works, introducing a new person into the family and things of that nature, like she helped the work be easier because she took initiative. Like it wasn't, it was like, you're telling me that you're interested and you know, I'm telling you that I have, like, I have children, you know, so I'm, it's not just me. You're going to be dating. Like Loki is all of us. Mm -hmm. How you feel about that? Mm -hmm. She answered the question by being like, Hey, so I sent the baby some clothes because um, I know you and I were talking the other day and I know you mentioned the minute they're about to probably be out of there, such and such clothes. So I bought, I sent them some clothes for the next X, Y, and Z amount of months. Or, oh, I was, when I was over at the house, I noticed, you know, the baby needs some, um, needs some new shoes because their feet are growing. I, like, like little things like that or little things that she would notice like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I was just wondering, have you ever considered trying this? Like gentle ways that she would, offer and ask in terms of input not necessarily forcing and inserting herself but necessarily but not necessarily shying away so I feel like mm -hmm. you're she dated all of y'all no like legit, yeah. legit down mm -hmm. to the fact that when she proposed I got a ring and they got two bracelets that basically mm -hmm. match oh that's like, cute she dated us that's all yeah. and there was I was very clear in my prayer like this is someone who has to understand and accept it because I'm new but they mean the world I'm new at this but they mean the world to me and if you can't accept me and all of this they come with you can't, there's no place for you because I didn't want to be, like I said, I didn't want to be that mom that's like, oh, I get a new person and suddenly, you know, it's yeah. us and not y'all or, you know, they're not as relevant or not as a part of things. And she did it all of us. She made it very easy and she made it very comfortable. And furthermore, I told myself I was not only going to listen to my in instincts, but I was going to listen to my children because even though they were young, a lot of times people will underestimate, if not misunderstand, children communicate. Mm -hmm. if they even if they can't talk behavior is communication a lot of times the way they're behaving will tell you everything you need to know mm -hmm. and before my babies could say the almost 150 words legitimately I counted <laughs> that they now know how to say they were either very clear if they liked you and they wanted to go to you without problem and if something about your spirit wasn't sitting well with their spirit it's like uh, -uh don't mm -hmm. don't touch me don't look at me I'm gonna cry I'm going to my mom like none of that and honestly, that was another thing that I would say helped my comfort levels. Like she had already been establishing herself in terms of putting in the work and basically dating all three of us. But one of the things that really helped it, my, uh, my twin A was, is known, or I would say started off as being known like as an especially clingy mama's girl. Like she was the one who really did not want me to put her down ever if I could, could help it. And really didn't like to go to anybody else when offered except for her Gigi, my mom, her grandmother. And my partner was the first person outside of me that she, outside of me and outside of my mother that my daughter ever willingly went to mm -hmm. on her own. Like it was, I, I'll never forget the moment. I was holding her, trying to console her. She wasn't, wouldn't calm down. My partner was working on something and paused what she was doing to come over, trying to see if she could help. And she came over and Indeed was having a fit and she stopped what she's doing. And her face changes in this expression that I've really only ever seen her give to me. And her eyes light up and she just starts to smiling. And she's just like, yeah, Ma, you cool. But uh, I think I think I want to go over here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, and watching those kinds of things mm -hmm. were the kinds of things that further solidify everything. It was like, your actions are already in alignment with the words that you're saying. But now I'm seeing additional behavior from my family unit. Like I've seen the ways that my girls take to her. I've seen the ways that honestly, I feel like we've all grown and become better people since she's entered our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think really finding somebody who can add or who will add to that unit, um, finding someone where you can make sure you are feeling the fullness of that safety first before you can introduce them to your child or children. And then when you do, paying attention to how they engage and also how the children respond and receive. Because kids will tell you a lot sometimes, yes, even they if they're lying in your face and being like, it's okay. No, it's not, mm -mm. mommy, help me. Right. I want to get out. I don't like it. Like, <laughs> blink twice if you if you feel safe. Blink once blink, if you don't. Uh, I don't yeah. right. feel safe. Like, right. They will let you know. It's so true. Um, kids definitely communicate, even if it's not through like their language. They 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 mm -hmm. definitely they definitely communicate. So then the flip side of that is um were there ever moments where uh, 
she engaged with you in a way that was like, okay, so, cause you came out of a situation with a man and then now, you know, in a situation with a woman, what were those conversations about? Like the comfort of you feeling solid in the fact that you want to be with a woman right now. And that, you know, that whole, you know, part of, uh, coming from a man and then now I'm with a woman and so are we gonna have to be are we gonna be with a man next again like what are we what are we doing like what was those conversations <laughs> that you might have had so, to have honestly I will I will not lie I will admit and say I'm somewhere between one very blessed and two like I said y'all need to stop focusing on praying Sierra's prayer and tailor your prayers to yourself because Sierra's problems ain't your problem Mm -hmm. And the reason that I said that is because I knew I was coming from a complicated situation. I knew I was coming from a complicated situation as a woman who liked women who had been with a man and knew that that might make women who love other women uncomfortable and confused. I was already prepared for that. I was prepared for that because before I had even <laughs> met <laughs> the man, I remember that was like a question in my past relationship and it was funny because I was just like I spend every day with you I don't where am I going mm -hmm. but I digress so I remembered having a fear almost like getting back out into the world because I didn't want that to be something that was hanging over because at this point I was like no I'm very clear I'm very aware I know what it is I have no questions but I need to make sure that I have someone who if they do have questions can understand what it is that I'm going to explain and that's what she did like she asked and when she asked when I say because honestly she is the probably the easiest tip I've ever talked to in terms of just being able to be like hey so look I'm gonna just tell you these random facts about my life and I'm gonna just let them come all tumbling out on the table mm -hmm. no matter what they are right and not never never feeling like I had to worry about it or hesitate or figure out how I was going to package and deliver it and so I think in this case case and situation it was the same thing like in the very beginning um we had a conversation early on before she met the girls so that she would know, like she asked me like, so what's up? Like what happened or how did everything, how did it play out? And I'm just told her the truth. I told her the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Like I was on the witness stand singing mm -hmm. for my life. And we're just like, this is what it is. This is where I'm at. Um, but I think that it was helped in two ways. One, having somebody who could really listen to understand and receive what I had to say, but also having somebody who is secure and confident in what it is that we have and what we're doing. And the reason that I recognize the importance of that is because you could be on the up and up all day long and be telling a person, I'm on the up and up all day long, only to find out that doesn't matter or that person that you were talking to, maybe they weren't on the up and up, mm -hmm. but it, it, you really just have to be in it. Like, because the other reality is just all relationships are going to come with some form of letting go and some form of needing to trust. If you're with somebody you can't trust, you need to ask yourself why you're with them. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to trusting them, realizing like, okay, if I'm going to be with you, that means I'm trusting that you're going to have my best interest at heart and we're going to try to find ways to constantly work together and build and grow. And I think what happened with us is when she asked or when she wanted to know, I wanted her to know truthfully and honestly, this is my past, this is what it is, this is who I am, and this is how I currently identify, even down to saying like, I would probably admit and say I have more of a preference for women, but probably say I'd have to identify myself as demisexual, laid all of that out for her. And she accepted it probably as easily as my parents did, like in terms of accepting my sexuality, like she is somebody who I would say is very confident and secure in yourself and herself. And as, as an individual who is confident and secure in herself, is able to receive what I have to say and then take my actions at face value instead of like worrying about it or reading into it. Because what I've also learned is you are who you are. So if, you're if I was lying about it or if I wasn't on the up and up, that's going to come out. That would have been yeah. revealed in time. But her trusting me to what was what I said and then watching how I showed up every day in our relationship and vice versa is what helped continue to just build that connection. And I think that is why I said it's important because I have been in relationships where I was getting cheated on being accused of cheating with men or possibly looking at men and being like, but, huh, but I'm, I'm lost. I, right. When I, where, where they do that at? Because right. I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't I'm there. Confused. That wasn't me. I was not there. That wasn't me. I wasn't, <laughs> what? Like now you like you done you done 
accuse me so hard. I have to look at a man. What is, what is right. the problem? <laughs> if we don't go through this, I'm about to go look at me. I so. might as well go look right. at one. Because what they at? What they at? Let them out. Let them out the back. So I was going to say, so I think it was having having that and also, again, seeing on the opposite side of being with somebody where I knew 100% where I was and then seeing like they still weren't fully secure, even though I felt like I'm almost breaking my back trying to make sure you know where mm-hmm. I am. And then having someone who was secure and confident at the gate and just asking like, what's up? What is it? What is it? And me being like, cool, cool. I'm going to throw this slow. These are all of my points. This is everything I've been through. You can take it or leave it because mm-hmm. it's going to be here regardless. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, check, 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 check. No, I'm good. Because I would honestly describe her as the walking definition of somebody who genuinely found out everything in my past only so she could understand how to love me better. Mm, like that's good. it, it that's wasn't good. a, yeah, you good. know, it wasn't a, I mm. need to notice so I can be insecure about it all day. It was just mm. like, no, I just want to understand you better. Mm. Cause you were who you were for 30 years before I met you. So I need to understand and try to catch up to who this person is, but it's established establish 30 mm-hmm. years so that we can build on the next 30 kind of a dot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. extremely yeah. mature. That's extremely mature. And that is why she's the one. Amen. Okay? So, so then where, where do you stand today with uh, your faith and your sexuality? Um, growing up in what wasn't really a uh, unwelcoming environment, but then obviously with all the pressure of society and what people will think, um, being in a high profile situation, quite frankly. Um, and then your faith and then how does that intertwine with what you have uh, described as demisexuality and just the journey that you've been through in general um when you say where do I stand you mean like am I still someone who would call herself a believer or what do you um well I I will say this no matter how many times that I have ever um ever questioned or struggled with um, my sexuality and living authentically in my life and in my truth, I can't ever say that that has been the thing if there was ever a moment that made me question or waver in believing in God. Um, and I say that I think also just because I have I have seen too many things in this life that are truly... Um, a testament yeah you know that they was god god was all like I, I god was always there like i i have yeah. two spirit and i are intertwined that's just the truth of it for me in my life spirit yeah. and i are intertwined intertwined we came to this side and we're gonna go to the other side that is that exact same way so for me there was never a severance in that when i struggled with how to be and live in my authentic self if anything I would probably say it is now more so of a grounding tool, if not the reminder that I now use to be more authentically myself. Like, whether no matter what you believe, I don't care if your background is Christian, I don't care if your background is Jehovah's Witness, I don't care if your background is Muslim, I don't care if you're atheist, whatever the case is. Um, there is typically a thread of us being created by God, right? There's typically a thread of thinking within every faith that we have been created. Some people will say in God's image, right? Um, and in doing so, if you if you black right. <laughs> and you grew up in black church, the likelihood that you probably have heard God don't make no mistakes at least once in your life is high. So I would probably say that I never questioned or wavered in my faith or spirituality because of my sexuality. I probably had other trials and tribulations that maybe made me like I'm struggling, but not ever anything that made me hardcore. Like I don't believe, even if I just wasn't going to church for a little bit. I never, it wasn't like I didn't believe. But now I would probably say that where I stand in terms of my faith and my spirituality is that's a driving force and a reminder for me to be authentically who I was created to be. Like if I'm made in God's image and God don't make no mistakes, then some visage that God has of God's self is a queer black woman who's raising two beautiful daughters with her partner, who's going to be the woman that I'm continue to grow into. (laughs) Like that's the truth of it. Like that is the reality. There is no way around it. Some, some form and visage of God is a gay man who's out here living his life. Like 
that is what it is in its essence. And the truth is, you don't have to like it. Just like you don't have to believe in God. Guess what? That changes the fact that neither of those things are both true. Mm -hmm. Like, that's where I think I'm at with that. Like, I own and understand. I don't think, I think I'm, I'm owning more so, if anything, the fact that God might want me to use more of my story as a, as a testimony for other people to potentially use it as a survival guide. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I never thought, like, even when I was thinking or fantasizing about like, what my life would look like older, like, I never thought that this might be a facet that even if I like started living in it fully that I would end up talking about on this, on this scale. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I didn't, like, I thought there was anything wrong with it, but more so just like, I don't, I don't know if I didn't classify myself as, I didn't, I guess I didn't think there was anything to tell. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't think of it from that perspective, but now where I am, like, well, my partner proposed to me, um, she, she did a surprise zoom. So my family was physically there that could be, but then the people that weren't there so that they could at least be a part of it, she had a Zoom going. And one of her relatives was on the Zoom from her side of the family. And that relative reached out to her and wanted to thank her for not only letting her be a part of it, but for being willing and open to share her love. Because apparently, I think it's one of her cousins, that cousin has a daughter who is probably in the same space that I was Mm. between the ages of 13 to 15 Mm. and has got some questions and some feelings, but she's scared. And she's even more so scared to tell her mother, but her mother already knows. Mm. And what happened was the, I think she was either looking at the video that we posted of of the announcement either on Facebook, or she was watching it. I think it might've, first she might've been watching the actual proposal. And then later it might've been the video. But whatever the case was, is whatever she was watching of us and, ha- and how it happened, I think it might have been the proposal first. She was watching it and her daughter came in and was like, what are you doing? Or what are you watching? And she showed her, she was like, I'm watching your cousin. She's proposing to her girlfriend. And the mother said, the way the child's eyes lit up, like, the way the child's face almost looked like it, it was like somewhere between like happy, but happy tears. Yeah. And she was basically thanking us for being able to share that so that it, it offers an open door for her child mm-hmm. to be able to live in, and stand authentically in her truth. Yeah. And I don't think I ever thought that I had like, I never think of telling about this part of my life because I'm just like, well, not like in a bad way, but it's just like, how much do we talk about other people like wives and kids or husbands and kids? Like not in a bad way, but just that's not often the forefront. But I realized that there are so many facets of my story and more so, there it's so it's such a beautiful story of finding your way to authenticity and the importance of doing so that I'm finally starting to realize there might be ways within my story or a message within my story that will help another person by hearing it even if it's just finding the courage to be more authentic and bold enough to just own that that's what it what it looks like and I know everyone can't do that because all situations are not feasible for you to do so and you could possibly get hurt or be harmed trying to live authentically but realizing there is power in doing more so of that and also just thinking about the power of a little girl getting to see something like that because there were people that looked like me living lifestyles like mine in the in the environments that I was growing up in even when I think about like having the openly gay church members Mm -hmm. I would say all of them were all men there were nowhere near if any as many openly queer women and let alone queer women adults like the one that I did know was younger and it was not easier for her just like it wasn't easier for my other friends in high school so you know just seeing those things I think um it's nice to know that I can be a beacon of hope and light for someone else because I know that I didn't see people that look like me when I was growing up but maybe it would have helped me get to this place sooner to know that there were other people who were living that life and they grew up and they were okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably where I am with, with that. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've come to the end, but before we go, um, mm-hmm. there's a kid out there who's struggling the same things um, that you may have experienced growing up what is your advice to them? And even a grown up, right? I mean, some people blossom a little later, um, may have been through a marriage or a, you know, another relationship. And then they're like, okay, 
you know, let me really come into myself. Um, what is your advice to them? Um, my advice would be number one, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. If you believe in God, God does not love you any less. If you are surrounded by people who do not know how to be accepting and understanding of people whose lifestyles that do not look like, look like theirs, that is their problem and not yours. There is nothing wrong with you. Do not ever forget it. Do not ever let, ever let anybody convince you that there is. God is not going to love you any less because that is where you are in your life. That is who you have discovered you are created to be. That is okay, number one. Number two, um, your time is your time. And that doesn't always feel good in the moment because it might make you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be or it's taking longer to get where you wanna be. Don't worry about that. Your time is your time. You're where you're supposed to be on your journey in that moment, in that space. Because when you get to where you're trying to go, it's going to make a lot more sense mm -hmm. why you were where you were when the things were happening that were happening. Mm -hmm. So your time is your time. Um, and probably my third piece of advice, I'm going to do it like old school church and give three points and then I'm going to be done. Um, my third piece of advice would be don't give up. And why I say don't give up is because it's easy. And what I spoke to it earlier in terms of there's nothing wrong with you. And you spoke to it earlier in terms of mental health. Society doesn't always, doesn't do what I think they should be doing in terms of the conversation with mental health as far as mental health is important. Same way you should go and get a physical and a checkup. We should be making that something that we regularly do with our brain because our brain is a part of the body. And if you're this struggling with who you are or where you are in your journey, for whatever reasons you're struggling, can affect your mental health. Mm -hmm. So I don't, and that can make it easy for you to want to give up. But as I go back to point number one, there's nothing wrong with you. And two, your time is your time. Three, do not give up because if you give up, you might not make it to those moments that you pray you're praying for. You might not get to live in those that glory. And I say that because I have been in a dark space before. I have tried to take my own life. And if I had been successful at the time frame that I tried, I wouldn't be here able to see my growing children who are about to be two at the top of this year. I wouldn't be here to have met the love of my life and be engaged to her and have found my way into living authentically and happily in that freedom. I wouldn't be pursuing creativity with every fiber of my core because who I am and, and my essence is an artist. Like if I had given up, if I had been successful when I tried to give up, I wouldn't be here to attest to all the beautiful things that I'm witnessing, even in the midst of all of the madness that we're currently existing in. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be like, don't, I know it might be hard, but don't give up because the better is coming. The better is coming. Not even just in terms of sexuality only, whatever your better is, it's coming. And if you give up, you might not find out what that better looks like. So good. So good. Mm -hmm. Javila, thank you so much for your time. I definitely of appreciate course. you coming. Thank y'all for watching. You. This is the Queerly Black Show. I'll see y'all on the next one.